This is Pixel Splitters, your absolute favorite conversation movie news podcast with your hosts, Josh. And I don't think a lot of people watch anything anymore. And Willis. Like, if you listen to the premise of this movie, I want to see this movie. Join us each week as we break down the latest movie news, TV news, and general industry news and debate about what it all really means. We have to start this by saying congratulations to the Screen Actors Guild for finally coming to an agreement uh, on a contract with the AMPTP. It's been a very long journey, and we're just happy that it's finally come to a conclusion. We made it. It didn't look like it was going to end for a minute there, and that's not a good thing for anybody. So congratulations to all of the actors. Um, And that is one of the things that we are going to talk about today, obviously. We're going to run through all of the information that we currently have about their new contract. We do not have all of the fine point details but we do have a general overview of what they got and some of the um, the some of the sticking points that were kind of an issue for the MPTP. So we're going to run through that. We're also going to check in on the Marvel's box office as we do with essentially every single superhero movie just to see the trend of yep. where things are going. Where, where we're at. So we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about um, Coyote versus Acme which you might not have heard of. You might have heard of this, but it was a very interesting story that had to do with Warner Brothers and um, a tax write-off. And we'll get more into that a little bit later. But before we dive into our topics, I want to go over the weekly releases because for theaters, we have a couple things coming this week. I'm kind of surprised. Yeah. First off, The Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes coming November 17th. I'm not a huge Hunger Games guy. Um... I, th- I was a huge Hunger Games guy. <laughs> yeah? But, like, I have no interest in This is, like, <laughs> I I mean, and I might be in the minority on this. You know, I yeah, keep yeah, seeing yeah. people talking about it. But, like, I'm, like, I that story is yeah. done and has been done for, like, a decade now. Yeah. And this is a prequel. Um, so I'm kind of, yeah. like, I, I, you know, I like Rachel Zegler. I, I, I have no interest in this. Viola Davis is in this, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a weird thing that, like, I feel like the author wrote the book and then everyone went, Oh, well, we have to make this movie, right? It's a Hunger Games movie. Oh, yeah. So so that is coming. We also have Next Goal Wins, Taika Waititi's long-awaited soccer movie. Um, yeah. Which is getting some mixed press. Um, I have weird feelings about this movie. I do, too. It's a straight-up comedy, which, you know, Taika yeah. does his thing. But I've been soured on Taika over the last, like, two years. Well, so. <laughs> It it also and I haven't seen it, but it also appears to be a bit of a white savory movie. One hundred percent. Sorry, Michael. That I'm kind of like, yeah. Um, it's very cool runnings. Very much so, which is um, woo. that I, I I'm just like kind of surprised to see something like that from Taika. So yeah, someone who's an indigenous Australian man, like it's a it's yeah, a, it's really interesting. I don't I don't know. We'll see what happens, but that's coming. We also have Thanksgiving, Eli Roth's new masterpiece <laughs> hitting theaters on the 17th, and then um, Trolls Band Together, because Trolls is seemingly the... Still going. They're going to make them forever. It is nuts what animated features can do. Um, so that's what's coming to theaters for streaming for shows. We have a murder at the end of the world hitting Hulu on the 14th, which looks pretty good. I don't... The title sounds like every other title that... <laughs> 
yeah <laughs> comes around on netflix and hulu but this looks interesting at least um we have drive with swiss beats which like who in this generation even knows who swiss beats is anymore <laughs> but like i do so that's interesting coming to hulu on the 16th uh we have scott pilgrim takes off coming to netflix on the 17th which I, if you'd asked me didn't this come out like a long time ago i kind of thought it did but apparently not um okay so that's here i don't no, I think it's animated. Yeah. So that's something. well, that was a whole thing. I'm like, part of me is like, is this like a second round of it? Because I feel like I'm almost positive, but again, it's sitting right in front of us here, so maybe not. But like, dude, I don't know. This is the problem when nobody markets anything. I don't know. It's just like, I don't know. That's coming. We also have Godzilla Legacy of Monsters, which I'm actually pretty hyped for coming to Apple TV Plus on the 17th as well. Um, Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell are in this. Like, yes, I'm so jazzed sick. for this. Sorry, I got distracted by the Scott Pilgrim thing, but like, no, it's fine. Godzilla Legacy of the Monsters. I'm in. I'm so jazzed. They're playing the same character. I know. It's so good. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm so hyped for this. Godzilla looks incredible. Yeah. Yeah. For like a TV show, dude. You know, that, I'm like, that what Apple is money, your baby? I guess, yeah. I'm just like, I also wonder how much, like, I really wish we could talk to like a VFX artist and be like, how much yeah. of, of like the pre-built assets are right. already, are like handed around? You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like. How much was, this was done? Yeah. We had this conversation for She-Hulk where it was like, yeah. oh, look, Hulk looks great and She-Hulk looks terrible. They must have already have done Hulk. <laughs> like, right. They yep, have him rendered up on the computer yeah. next to you while they're building the She-Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I also don't know how Apple got their hands on the licensing for Godzilla, but by all means, let's go. There's um, four iterations of Godzilla coming within the next year. And I'm so here for literally all of it. Yeah. Give me more. Um, so that's what's coming for shows. For movies, we have Matt Reif, Natural Selection, which is a comedy special coming to Netflix on the 15th. David Holmes, The Boy Who Lived, which this is a really sad story uh, yeah. about Daniel Radcliffe's stunt double who got injured yeah. on the set of Harry Potter and I didn't know anything about it and this seems like it's going to be interesting this is coming to Max on the 15th and then we have Rustin coming to Netflix on the 17th which is getting some interesting yes yeah. as well that's one of those ones <laughs> that I have on my Netflix probable list but I'm like yeah but I'm not I don't know if it's gonna yeah I don't which know I suppose if it's, if it's just going straight to straight to streaming and no theatrical run maybe not but and nobody has said much about yeah. this movie so that's not not too great but uh but yeah so a lot of stuff coming this week guys lots of stuff we're getting into it in and out of theaters and uh without further ado let's talk a little bit about uh the marvels here so the marvels this is the latest film from the mcu which we used to talk about with such excitement and i mean vigor. we spent 40 minutes talking about it last week like we did Don't say <laughs> used to true true no but i meant we used to talk about it with such like oh my god what are they gonna do next like holy oh crap, yes you know yep. um can do no wrong exactly they can do no wrong and now it's like can they do anything right really yeah and that's kind of where we're at and that seems to be where the world is at because the marvels raked in a total of 88 million dollars worldwide this weekend with 109 is what i have oh it finally updated thanks box yeah. office mojo <laughs> 109 what was it domestic you've got them in front of you uh domestic it was 46 uh international 60 just shy of 63 gotcha so. gotcha so uh, yeah. 
bad. I mean, originally it was tracking yeah, to make 70 domestic and 60 domestic, and it came in very much lower than that, which is yeah. unsurprising to me. Um, and I this isn't the end of this because they have some silver bullets in their back pocket, but I'm I, like, even when the, I'm not going to say what the post credit scene was, but even when that happened and it's another one of those, whoa, everyone scream type of things. Yeah. The theater was kind of like, uh, okay. All the mood. Yeah. Like, so, so this is a teaser. So this whole movie was a teaser for the next thing. Yeah. And it's just like, which is what it has <laughs> always been, you know? Right, but um, those movies used to be good. Like Iron Man was yes. good, and then the post credit scene was also good. And you're like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> now it's like a bad movie followed by a sort of intriguing post credit scene. It's like, yeah, mm, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, not great. Like it's it's interesting because I wonder how much of Marvel's greatest strength has just like become its mm. kind of greatest weakness here. And I don't mean the interconnectivity. I just mean the nearly like feral fan base. Yeah. You know, that is just yeah. incredibly passionate about it because that was always the thing. And that's how it got to a billion dollars over and over again is your diehard fans that were going to go first thing, you know, no problem. And then go over and over again. Yeah. And like, I feel like the fa so I have seen I didn't see it you saw it tune in on Sunday uh, yeah dear listeners um, I have seen a handful of things that are like it's not bad it's just no. not good yeah and I wonder how much of this box office bomb is because the fan base is like no ew this is terrible you know what I mean and I don't think it has anything to do with it being like women led or anything like that you know yeah. I think it's just where like the fan base is, is they've turned on it and like short of all of the fan service stuff, like we talked about last week, like the fan base isn't going to bite. Right. You know, and is going to actively tear it down. Right. Because right. it's like, Oh, that looks bad. Let me tell everyone. I know that that looks bad because I used to tell everyone. I know that that was going to be the best movie of all time. Exactly. And so now it's kind of like what you said, it's kind of biting them in the ass. And yeah. yeah, I didn't hate the Marvels. It was much better than Quantumania. It was better than Thor Love and Thunder. Like there was a lot to, I don't want to say recommend it, but it wasn't, it wasn't the bottom of the barrel, but it's coming at the end. Like this yeah. is coming after we've gotten an entire phase, which is two years long of movies that just were not good. And yeah. so people feel like they've kind of been, like led astray or betrayed or what what have you and um i don't know I, I it's it's a bummer that again once the thing works then they're giving it to diverse filmmakers and making movies yeah. about women and it's like it's not the fact that these people are making these movies that they're going down but that's what some people might see as the reason and it's like yeah no these filmmakers are actually way better than some of the ones that were working in you know 2010 like these, yeah. these people actually have vision and they're not able to do it and it's just boring dude it's just boring it's like you, yeah. you leave with the same feeling you have with every other film just being like oh a lot of cgi fighting who the, who is any of the characters i don't i don't yeah i'm not really sure so yeah it's interesting know. to think and we, I, we don't have to dwell on it but like yeah. it's interesting to think that 
pre-Endgame, there was no buildup to anything post-Endgame. I know. Like, it's never really occurred to me before how much of it, it was just, like, a hard stop. It's not yeah. like there was, like, hints of Kang in, you know, um, no Civil War or something no. like that. Um, and I think that's part of what is we're having a hard time with is just, like, the momentum broke, and now they're trying to pick up the momentum again. And it's, like... And they're doing it artificially. And, yeah. and it's giving you $46 million in your opening weekend. Exactly. So. And it's not going to get better next weekend, unfortunately, guys. But yeah. So... I don't know. I mean, it's not the worst. Like, it's definitely not the worst movie that's in theaters right now. So if you're looking yeah. for an hour 40, like, go. I will bad. say also, I think this is the last thing uh, before we're going to get start getting revamped stuff. I think this is the last thing that was scheduled mm-hmm. that hasn't been moved. Yeah. That was like pre Bob Iger coming back, you know. Yes. Not that I'm like singing the gospel of Bob, I- Bob Iger over no. here. You know that he's gonna fix everything, but like <laughs> this is the tale of uh, Chapex, like make content endlessly, right? Uh, and we'll put it on the internet, and people will watch it, and they'll keep up because they're fans. Yeah, I think this was the last one before like everything's gonna totally. I, we'll see a noted shift. I think is what I'm saying. A hundred percent, and it's you're totally right because two of the three leads were introduced in TV shows that most yeah. people didn't watch. So it's like, wow, okay, yeah, I see why people aren't going to see this movie now. Um, but yeah, I mean, Marvel is not in danger per se because they still have a couple massive properties coming, but it's not yeah. like they really have to win back some goodwill here, and it it's not uh, going great as of late. But we'll see. Yeah. Echoes next, I think maybe. Echo, well, what if I think is next, but oh, yeah, yeah. Also, I will say Loki, um, yeah, really good. Yeah, did you watch all of Loki? Did you finish it? I haven't seen one frame of Loki season oh. two yet. Um, oh, I don't have Disney Plus anymore, so ah, it's um, it's good. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Um, it's it's good. I mean, I'll definitely watch it. I, I can't not, like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but that's good to know. That's good to know. Um, but it's also a, a holdover from the early, like, days of MCU. Right, right. You know, right. like Loki's in the second, the third MCU movie. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> like, he's been around. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll check it out. I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Begrudgingly. How many episodes? Eight? Six. Oh, sick. Let's go. <laughs> Speaking my language, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, something that was also maybe a holdover from a previous time. Yeah, uh, potentially. Have has any of you listeners out there heard of this movie that was supposed to come called Coyote versus Acme? Because I had heard murmurings, but I didn't know anything about it until we got a bomb dropped on us a couple of days ago. Yes. That this movie was being shelved. <laughs> yes. So this is Wiley Coyote. This is yes. Looney Tunes, yes. Wiley Coyote versus Roadrunner. You know, uh, uh, the classic, classic Looney Tunes. Um, arguably one of the most outside of like. Oh, I'm going to I'm gonna throw some shade. Say here, it. <laughs> outside of like Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. Yeah. Like Wiley Coyote, arguably the the most famous of the looney tunes yeah they had their Um, own thing like yeah like that was a big a huge thing i don't think that's totally insane to say 
Okay, cool. Uh, so yeah, Coyote versus Acme, a live action CG hybrid movie. Yes. That was done is completed. It it is done in the can. Um, Warner brothers is like, you know what? We're going to, uh, we're going to shelve it. It's done. $30 million. Yep. $30 million tax write off for the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we're just never going to release it. We have this done movie that we've, you know, put a lot of time and effort into that. A lot of filmmakers have put a time and effort, effort into, uh, and we're just at the last second going to pull the rug out and put it on a shelf. Yeah. Which Warner Brothers has now been known for doing over the last three to yeah. four years. Yeah. I, it's the same <laughs> kind of thing that happened with Batgirl. Um, and I think Scooby Holiday Hunt, Scooby-Doo Holiday Hunt. I'm sure tons the other of one. stuff that we don't um, know about. Yeah. I don't think Scoob was completed. Right. But it's the same kind of thing as Batgirl where they're just like, yep, this is done. But on a on a rate on a pay sheet it makes more sense to take the write down on it than it does to put it out um right. which is absurd yeah it's worth more to us dead than alive it's like what yeah. you already made it like what what could that possibly be but in a crazy turn of events because i i watched this unfold on twitter because mm-hmm. people like uh Brian Duffield who just did uh, no one will save you and Scott Derrickson of the black phone and doctor strange like there was a lot of very vocal directors coming out being like, this is bullshit. Like straight up like Warner brothers. This is bullshit. Like big studio filmmakers being like, nah, this ain't it. Like, how could you do this? And then the reviews started coming in from people who had actually seen it being like five stars. This movie's awesome. Like this is exactly what it should be. And then I believe Sunday or Monday, Mm -hmm. they have seemingly reversed that decision. Yep. To shelve it. (laughs) Which is like and so that's on They're not even they're not even reversing the decision to shelve it. Yeah, they're saying you can shop it to other distributors. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. So not putting it in the vault. Warner Brothers ain't gonna put it out. Like they're not gonna put it on Max. They're not gonna do anything with it. But you can go see if anyone else wants to buy it. Which right. like after that kind of response from the community, like someone's gonna hop right on this. Yeah, and now there's like controversy around it. So like more people are going to hear about it and want to see it when it comes out. And I mean, like if you listen to the premise of this movie, I want to see this movie. Yeah. Like the story follows Wiley Coyote as he attempts to sue the Acme corporation, the company (laughs) responsible for all of his malfunctioning equipment. Yeah. Like that's fucking hilarious. Awesome. And I want to watch that movie immediately. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it is like a, um, uh, 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 who framed Roger rabbit kind of, like situation where it's, you know, live action and animated at the same time. Um, So like somebody's going to jump at this. This is the best like ad campaign this movie could ever have. Yeah. I didn't Um, really know much about it until it was like, Oh, it's being shelved. (laughs) Yeah. But more to the point, like it's, it's brand damaging to Warner brothers and to max and to, Warner Brothers Discovery is the the name I'm looking for here. Yes. Um, Because like now I'm like, if I was like a big name filmmaker, why would I ever go like entertain a conversation with Warner Brothers? If I could spend years working on something and then just nothing. Yeah. And then it just gets hidden from the world. Mm -hmm. Even if they've only done it uh, on two of their however many, 
Like, why roll those dice? It's not worth it. Like, yeah, I think it just goes back to David Zaslav having no idea. Like how to run a movie studio. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like I don't think or more to the point, like a high. Profile movie studio. Yeah. Like one of the biggest. Yeah. Because like if you canceled something on Discovery, you know, if you canceled a spinoff of 90 Day Fiance, like there might be a little bit of blowback, but like who really cares? Right. Right. But like this is a major movie coming out of Hollywood. Yeah. Of like a real large IP. Like, and it's, it's wild. Like what the fuck? Like is a Looney Tunes cartoon going to start not with the Warner brothers logo at the front? What the (laughs) fuck is that? Like, what the hell? you know, it's like hand in hand. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, it really feels like they took one of their best properties, even though it's been silent for a little while, but like, but still recognizable. Um, but recognizable will always be recognizable. And like they took that brand and just kind of raked it over the coals and were like, we don't care. Right. Which is like absurd. Um, it is absurd. Yeah. It's so bizarre. Cause I'm like, there's so many of these studio runner studio executives, heads of studio that I just don't have a lot of faith in pretty much across the board, pretty much across the board. I mean, it's like, you know, you look at David Zaslav, you look at Bob Iger, who like, you know, Bob Iger did great at Disney, but like things are not going great at Disney. No. You look at Ted Sarandos, same kind of thing with Netflix. I'm just like, yeah, something in here is not working, y'all. Like it, there's a shift here that I don't want to make it a generational thing, but there's a shift here that's not being understood. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. And it's... I feel like we're getting to a tipping point where like the the heavy hitters when it comes to talent are starting to really push back, which hasn't really been the case in the past. It's been like, oh, you know, the 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 people who work for us are the people who work for us and like they might say things behind closed doors, but they're very public about this sucks. This is yeah. terrible. And like the fact that you can do that on Twitter or Facebook or wherever now is great because like you know, a filmmaker with 200,000 followers saying like Warner Brothers fucked up, like they're free to say that nobody's under contract to not say that about something and being like, this is terrible. It's just really bad PR for these massive companies. And again, yes, yeah, Zaslav is a business person. Like he's not yeah. a movie person and Iger might be, but like they're not like the people who run the studios, they're not artists. And I'm not saying that to like besmirch anybody, but like, yeah. They're people holding the cash being like, how do we not lose more money? Yeah. And like, not for nothing, but like, they don't have to be artists, but like, but an understanding. I, I'm yeah, I'm worth it. Yeah. That's my thing is like, I don't think there's a understanding of what the industry is yeah. these days. Yeah. You know, and I say this as like a guy who's like hosting, a, you know, co-hosting a podcast, you know, here, but like, <laughs> there just seems to be like a disconnect with what's what fans want and like what's actually going to make money and what's going to cause more problems than it's going to solve. Yes. Um, Yes. And not for nothing. I mean, like with the WGA strike and with the SAG after strike, people are more in tune with these smaller parties and what's going on with them versus big, the big studios um, than, I think probably they ever have before. Yeah. 
you know, um, like the fact that people are hanging on the words of what Fran Drescher is saying, uh, as head of SAG-AFTRA and it's like reportable news is pretty wild. It is. It is. And I guess we can just roll on right into yeah. talking about SAG because... I feel like that might be the smoothest transition we've ever done. Absolutely. Now that we're pointing it out now, it's not as well, yes. smooth, but... <laughs> well, we always... Whenever we have a smooth one, we pat ourselves on the back before like, we actually start talking about it. look at what we've done. It. We've done it. Um, but yeah, like I said at the very, very top, SAG-AFTRA, uh, Screen Actors Guild, has finally come to some kind of an agreement with the AMPTP on a contract, which doesn't yes. mean that it's set in stone yet, but it means that there people have said we're good to go. Like we, the strike can end. The strike is over. Yes. 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 We, which is uh, amazing. As of last Thursday, yes. um, the strike Thursday, last Thursday at 1201 AM, uh, the strike has ended. Um, and we're kind of, figuring out what happened what we're getting more information about what was going on in the negotiation yeah um so how do you want to how do you want to approach this well we can only kind of report on what we know which is not a ton yes so i we can just kind of run through some of the general points i want to save ai for the end because they sent okay they gave some like like graphics that I downloaded yeah. that are like, we, we should go through these, I think, because they're not, they don't talk really about like percentages and stuff like that, but it is about regulating AI in like a big way. So I think we should leave that till a little bit later. Okay. Um, so, well, first things first, this is a historic nearly $1 billion deal that yes. is supposed to go through if it all, if everything gets ratified in the end. And 86% of the national board approved this new deal, which is not everyone, but it is a huge majority of the people yeah. who are like, good to go. And I'm a little worried because the strike went so long that people were getting, and I know this is a fact, people were getting exasperated and really nervous. And yeah. so, and I know Fran Drescher and Duncan Ireland Jones were kind of like the ones to be like, no, like we are sticking this out until we get what we want. But I don't know if that was the case across the board when people were literally losing their houses. So I'm just like, I'm really curious to see what happened and how yeah. close they got to what they wanted. I um, mean, that's kind of the thing is like, it's like, that's what happens when these go on for that long. It's I know like you lose, you lose people. You yeah. know, because it, it like, yeah, it just takes so long and, you know, it's, yeah. yeah. So to start off with just general wage increases, there was wage increases across the board, which is kind of a general thing which happened with the yeah. WGA. I'm sure it'll happen with all of the um, unions coming up. Um, but like the two wait, there's for the, the initial wage increase for actors. And a lot of this has to do with streaming, which is the other thing it's like, it's so much more complicated because it has to be split between streamers and shows that aren't on streaming. Yeah. And a lot of this that I've seen only has to do with the streaming because everything else works as it was with residuals and whatever. Yeah. Um, so it seems like the first one is a 7% increase upon ratification and then another 4% bump effective in the following July across the board for actors that work on streaming TV or yeah. what was it AVOD? Like anything that's going yeah. straight to streaming. Yeah. Um, and then another, well, and that was kind the of the, the, that was kind of the conversation because there wasn't 
as I recall, if I'm recalling correctly, there wasn't a lot of structure around that kind of yeah. streaming payment stuff. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, it's it's like you're saying, the the regular non-streaming stuff is probably less important because, you know, that's already kind of been figured out. Totally. And they might not be getting the numbers that they used to, but it's all eventually everything is going to be one or the other. Yeah. Um, in terms of background actors, they also got a massive increase of 11% starting literally at the time of the strike ending, and then an additional increase of 4% the next July and 3.5% the year following. So it is like a, I don't want to say an exponential because it's like the literal opposite of that, but they do get a bump every year um, for the next couple years. And um, there was the bonus that we talked about with the WGA, which is something that's going to be happening with SAG. Yeah. It makes me nervous because, like with the WGA, these programs have to meet a specific requirement to get any of these bonuses paid out, and that requirement is usually 20% of the overall platform's subscriber base has seen this property within the first 90 days. Well, and by usually, that's what it was in the WGA. Yes, and, you know, who knows which which platforms this... like goes to or when it's probably netflix the big ones but it's like that's a lot of people to watch the show Mm -hmm. and i don't think a lot of people watch anything anymore i think a little bit of people watch a lot of different things and so yeah it's tough because i don't think that this is gonna be the bump that they need like (laughs) if it's not stranger things it's like well nobody watched it like (laughs) Yeah, yeah uh, yes and no. I mean, because it is like a bonus kind of thing. So it's not taking away from their baseline funding. You no, know what I mean? No, no. But like a Stranger Things kind of thing where it becomes a cultural phenomenon, That's that was the goal is like when it does blow up or does you become something more. huge, you get more out of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so when you get things like Stranger Things or um, Yellow Jackets or um, yeah. Yellowstone for that matter. Yeah. Um, you know the 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 bigger kind of things that are they're blowing up yeah you get more um but right. it's not going to be everything you right. know and there shouldn't be any intent any expectation that it's going to be everything right right you know um it's it also arguably creates a disincentive towards marketing certain things but i know <laughs> that's a weird kind of sub vibe thing to that we'll chew on, I think, over the next year for sure to see how that yes comes out. And is this the closest that we're getting to a real residual for streaming? I think so, okay. I mean, because yeah, because there's no real number beyond. Well, I okay. I don't think we're going to get to a place where there's a number more specific than. Uh viewership count right right you know like i don't think we're gonna be like okay you know this i don't think we'll ever get to like this is how many hours specifically were streamed of this right um like i don't think i don't think the the streamers are all will ever let those numbers right out into daylight especially because they don't have to (laughs) yeah like that's the thing is like yeah they can say whatever they want you know they can, and I think that the fact that they save it for the big things, it, like to me, that shows me that 
those are the only things that are really doing those numbers at all. Like when Red Notice did a billion hours or whatever, it's like nothing even came close. Like I yeah. think everything else, unfortunately, is so far under that metric that it's like reporting on it would just make everything look bad. I think that's the reality of the situation is like there's too much and no matter what, none of these things are doing well because yeah. there's too much of it. And everyone watches 10 different shows, you know? And it's like if they were to say, oh, four hours was watched of whatever it may be, Swarm, yeah. it's like that sucks, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes, I mean, it's weird because... I feel like I do agree with what you're saying, where it's like people are watching fewer things, but I think the concentration in what in which they watch things mm -hmm. is higher. Mm, yeah. Like, I think Yellowstone is is a really good example of that, of like everyone I know is like into Yellowstone. I myself have never watched it, but like yeah. everyone I talk to is like Yellowstone, Yellowstone, Yellowstone. And it's not, it's not vocalized. Mm -hmm. Like it's, there's no massive, like there's no water cooler conversation per se. Right. But everybody's still watching it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and maybe that's just because I haven't watched it, but it's like, you know, Everyone I know like watches Stranger Things. Everyone I know watches, um, well, see, and it's weird because I am having a hard time coming up with other options there. But like, there are the bigger things. But that's probably why it was an agreeable compromise, right? right. Because the studios are probably like, well, not that many get that big. We can let that, go. you know, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. if they were saying like fifty percent of a platform subscriber base, that's like. A different conversation. Right. Um, or I not I went the wrong way. Ten percent. Yeah. <laughs> uh of a of a uh platform subscriber base is like that's like an easier goal. So you know, that's probably where they landed in terms of like yeah. percentage. Um, although that may just be taken directly from the WGAs because the WGAs was also yeah, twenty percent. So right, exactly, exactly. <sighs> I don't know. I, I'm very curious to like really dig into the fine details of this a little bit more yeah. too, just cause I'm like, it's, it's so surface level at this point, but, um, but yeah, it is, it's a major improvement in the pay like scale for yeah. across the board, which is really, really great, including background actors. Um, I also want to say that in terms of the casting process, I thought this was really interesting. They really went in on this. Um, like so for breakdowns sides and scripts they all have to be provided no less than 48 hours prior to submission deadlines talent may not be asked to perform more than eight industry uh, standard pages for the first self-tape or 12 for a callback if there's memorization you will be compensated for that memorization um performers may not be asked to perform nude like there's a whole bunch of things that are smaller yeah. that i'm like this is so important and then that goes hand in hand with the hair and makeup stuff too, which I read and I'm like, Oh, all of this stuff where it's like eliminating yeah. inappropriate wiggings and paint downs, gender neutral language, uh, access to gender affirming care, um, translation services, more sexual harassment prevent prevention methods, methods, including yeah. the use of int intimacy coordinators upon request, which is like how that wasn't already here yeah. is fucking crazy to me. I'm like, how is that not already in language? Like all of this stuff, I'm like, oh yeah, that seems like why was not all of this stuff already in the contract? Like, but this is where we were at 
Like none of that yeah. stuff was like they could just take advantage of you left and right. And it's like, yeah. oh, my God, man. <laughs> I mean, and it is something that like. You know, for all of the conversation we have about how bad the industry is doing, it's like there are this does move us in good directions. It does. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I mean, I mean, pretty much everything you just said, where it's like, you know, the not having to. You know, get, not to getting your sides, you know, an Ten hour minutes. before yeah. your audition. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, fuck, uh, OK, let me like do all of the work that I do as an actor. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like prepping that stuff is work yes you know like being able to be like okay i can like focus on this and like you know yeah whatever two Um, days now (laughs) yeah yeah that's huge um yeah and i mean all of the like sexual harassment intimacy coordination stuff is like fucking thank god like how long has that been a problem in hollywood you know yeah like let's fucking address it you know yeah thank god Um, um Something else that I thought was really interesting was there was a relocation allowance for series performers that covers up to five grand a month for up to six months. So people who need to relocate for a show, Ooh, 153% increase in payments for that. I was like, dude, that wasn't already a thing. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> like you just have someone relocate and then they got to cover that. Like what? Or at least it was like way lower than what it was. I'm like, man, that's pretty sick. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's one of those things it's wild because like there is this list of all of that kind of mm -hmm. what the tentative agreement is and like I mean I read through this and like I didn't see the the relocation stuff like it's there's a lot going on here which I think is pretty fucking awesome which is why it's like it took a long time man yeah it did Um, yeah do we want to do AI or do we want to do the Robin Hood fund? Because well, let's talk about are... the Robin Hood fund because we okay. were kind of touching on that with the uh, the um, bonuses. Yeah, um, and that's sort of a part of that. It most definitely, which is something that I didn't know about. Something that it appears most of the SAG AFTRA did not know about, which is interesting. But it is something yeah. that Fran Drescher personally was advocating for. Which is essentially this fund where the, you know the, you know when we were talking about that bonus that comes if twenty percent of the the platform sees it over mm-hmm. ninety days, that bonus is actually split seventy five twenty five. Yes. So seventy five percent of that bonus goes directly to the actors um, who worked on that project. Yes. And 25% of that will go into this fund that will be jointly administered by SAG and the AMPTP, limited to streaming only, and then that will be somehow distributed to the rest of SAG-AFTRA? Yeah. It's unclear at this point. So it's it, this to me feels like a variation on what the A-list celebrities kind of yes. uh, added uh, or offered, as it were, during the negotiation of like, hey, like we can give you more money. Yeah, um, if that's the problem. <laughs> but this seems to be a variation on that of like, yeah. hey, like let's like this. Well, let's take this twenty five percent to keep actors working, right? Um, how it's going to be distributed and agreed on distribute distribution is a really interesting question. Yeah, um, I saw a handful of things that are like, this is really scary because like, 
this is just like creating a slush fund with very little oversight. It seems like um, pretty much no oversight. Yeah. Yeah. They could just, I mean, I'm not saying this, but could just go directly into somebody's bank account. Yeah. You and know, no one would know. Um, yeah. And no one would know. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess I'm on board with that. Um, yeah. I like the thinking behind it. I'm just like in practice, I don't know how it's going to make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those, it's like, it's limited to people who are working in streaming, mm-hmm. but like, what does that mean? Like, I don't know a lot of actors that are only, <laughs> well, who are only working in streaming who, oh yeah, like if they take a job on a feature, you know, are they no longer eligible for that like fund? Like what if it's a streaming feature? Yeah, what happens when this feature, you know, does okay in theaters and then goes to Netflix and blows up and that triggers that thing, but it was like a the- like there are a whole bunch of questions yeah around this that's kind of just like okay. I mean, I assume there's a plan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Silver I, uh, to not be super negative about it, there is something to be said for like something being jointly administered by SAG and the AMPTP creates a closer relationship between SAG and the AMPTP. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, there is a group of people that have to go and work together every day that, you know, are going to be players when this comes back around. But like, exactly. Um, I don't know. It's a very, it's very interesting that it's just kind of like, Something we didn't hear about at all. Right. Turns um, out it was a mess. Not that we were part. hearing much, not that we were hearing much of anything, but like, yeah, right. I mean, you know, like they they said what it would be uh they estimated it'll be around 120 million. The the yeah, sorry. The twenty percent subscriber base will be about 120 million dollars over the term of the uh the contract. The contract, um, which is three years, I think. Yeah, which is over three years, but like, so 75% of that $120 million is $90 million um, that goes to the things, but then, you know, that uh, extra $30 million is $30 million. Yeah. Um, hashtag math podcast. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's not an insubstantial amount of money. I mean, it is when you're talking about, you know, however many 22,000 SAG members. Um, that 22,000 SAG members that don't qualify for health insurance. No, that do qualify yeah. for health insurance. There's like 160,000 uh, SAG members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. The, well, okay, yeah. Sorry. Yes, you're right. 130,000. Uh, Sorry, I, I have all the numbers right it's here all good. in front of me. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, I mean, even if we're saying $90 million across yeah. 22,000 yeah, hashtag math math podcast. Uh, <laughs> even if we're saying thirty million dollars across twenty two thousand members, like yeah. that's not huge. I mean, it's not nothing, but it's not huge. So it's right. And what is it? Is it just like direct deposit? It's is it just it's split evenly? Like, like just is it? Yeah, is it going to like healthcare? Is it going to like you know all this different like? Right. Yeah. And, is it and, going here's what I'd buy is it yeah. going to lowering the uh the 
floor for getting healthcare in SAG-AFTRA. You know I hope I mean? so. I don't know. That that seems like it might be government regulated, but I'm sure it is, but it's like we're at a really weird point right now where this kind of thing can happen and it's like yeah. I don't know what it means. I mean, they did say that it would go directly to I think they said it would go directly towards pension and healthcare maybe. But well, I Well, that was I, the original uh, uh yeah, I don't know. It's hard because, again, we're getting, like, the cliff notes of, like, some of what they said. And it's like, I don't really know. Um, But it'll be something for us to keep an eye on, you know. Definitely. Um, I feel like we should start recording all of these things that we say we should keep an eye on. And then at the end of the year doing, like, so this is what we kept an eye on. Here are all the things Megapixels. we we keep an eye on. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. 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 So I don't know. Um, Yeah. We'll see how that goes. We will. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about AI? It's kind of like, again, it's very broad. Like they don't have yeah. any numbers here, but they did release and, uh, you can find these online, dear listener, but sag after did release two graphics that showed essentially a breakdown of what it means, like definition of what AI is, consent guidelines of how they're going to be followed and, and regulated going forwards, which is pretty cool. It's like a comprehensive way to look at something that's insanely complicated, <laughs> which is cool. Yeah. Um, and this is only, yeah, for TV theatrical, uh, in 2023, but so I can just read through part of this, I guess. Yeah. Go for it. So for generative, uh, AI, the definition that they put is a subset of artificial intelligence that learns patterns from data and produces content based on those patterns, able to simulate a performer's voice, facial expressions and movements to create an entirely new content, which is what we've been dealing with deep fakes all over the place like this is something that's a real problem right now um consent if a producer plans to make a computer generated character that has a main facial feature like eyes nose mouth or ears that clearly looks like a real actor and they use that actor's name and face to prompt the ai system to do this they must first get permission from that actor and agree on how this character will be used in the project so it means that no matter what happens even if you're just using their eyes (laughs) Like, you have to get that person's consent, yeah. which seems like common sense, but these people are looking to cut corners. Like, this is, like, the point is, like, yeah. oh, we don't want to have to do that. <laughs> well, and it's interesting. I mean, I, I think of the Tom Hanks, I think it was, like, a toothpaste commercial that was running or something, like, the deep fake of that. Yeah. It's, like, that would be required to get Tom Hanks's approval, which I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if there's a subset of actors that goes, yeah, go yeah, for it. I don't it. give a shit. You know, yeah. that doesn't care. Right. Um. But I feel like most A-list actors and most actors whose image is their like paycheck are going to go, no, yeah. you know, if you want me to be in a toothpaste commercial, you I'll, can book you pay me, me. Yeah. <laughs> for, you know, um, which, you know, that is, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's great, like definitive language. And I think saying you have to ask yeah is like a big win huge yeah um and they or more to the point and they can say no yes right exactly they can be like absolutely not and then when it comes to the guidelines they're saying producers must notify the union if they create synthetic performers um and bargain over uh, whether compensation or any consideration is appropriate there'll be regular meetings like there's there's they're clearly like going to be taking this very seriously 
and going to be talking about this as it evolves, which is important. Um, which kind of brings me to the next point, which is digital replication of background actors, which we talked about as being like, well, this is going to be the first use case because those are the people that they don't want to pay at all because they're just yeah. like, I got to pay you 300 bucks to stand there, you know, you know, not to, again, background actors are yeah. insanely important. I'm for that. It's just, that's what the studios think. Um, definition, a background actor digital replica is a digital version of a background actor's voice likeness made with an actor physically present for scenes they didn't actually film. Consent. Notification must be sent 48 hours in advance to create a digital replica or add booking if less than 48 hours ahead. Clear and separate consent is required for the use of background actors' digital replica in a movie, and in the case of deceased performers, their estate or union must consent, which is huge because that's yeah. what the AMPTP was like. We'd rather just not have to do that. That's pretty complex. Can we just yeah, use we're it? We're going to do it once. Yeah. <laughs> Can we just and then do that's, it? Yeah. Um, so, but that is like a huge thing. And that yeah. honestly is like, it's weird. Like, I don't know what the subset will be there, but that is a different subset of actors that are going to go. Yeah. Like if you live in, you know, I mean, if you live in Worcester, Massachusetts and you can get a scan of yourself, you know, that puts you in the background of stuff there'll be people that can you know oh yeah that it, yeah um not that everyone's part of set but you know what i mean like it's like um, yeah there's a level to which if you're if you can take a payday if you can get put in the background of something in like a state that you're not in and get a payday out of it sure cool you know as long yeah. as you have to do it every time and like you know if they're like hey can you come in on friday right and you're like yeah okay you know it yeah that was poorly articulated no, but, but it makes it simpler yeah and there's it's, a use case yeah and it's could be money in the pocket for background actors a hundred percent you know which um which goes into the guidelines and the compensation so guidelines replicas must not be used to meet the background counts for the day interesting replicas will not be used to avoid the engagement of background actors Good, good. It means they can't just use these as like a, here we go. We're getting yeah. rid of everybody. It's just back. It's just AI. Here we go. Um, and then compensation. Time spent creating a digital replica counts as work time and is paid accordingly. If a background actor is called in just for that, for replication, they get paid for a full day. If the mm -hmm. digital replica is used as a principal character, the actor gets paid said principal's rate for the estimated days they would have worked. So it's like literally they're kind of covering every base here. Yeah. It's like, you get paid whether or not you say yes or no. Like, yeah. and and if you say no, they can't do shit. They're not going to use you. Yeah, which is like yes, yes in writing. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Like the use case I think of here is like, say you're making a movie about like a band. Yeah, you know, um, and the bassist doesn't have any lines in the movie. You know, it's just kind of like a background guy that's like, yeah, the band has a bassist. You know, um, and you go in and you get cast as a bassist, you know, and it's like great gig, all this kind of stuff. Right. Uh, and you do all the performances and kind of things. And then it becomes a question of, well, this is the bassist. It's the rest of the movie. Like he would should probably be in the room, like, you know, in the, during this conversation. Right. Right. This is a weirdly fix it in post kind of sure. thing. But like, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, if I'm the bassist and I am on a different 
movie now. And they're like, hey, we want to put you in the background of this scene. Right. You know, because like you should be here. Like you're an established character. You know, no. And I I guess like background. There's nothing here that's saying that it's no lined. You know, no, it's not just like an extra. But that's kind of. Yeah. yeah, Just this is just what I'm rolling with here. Totally. Um, But like that can be a thing is like if I'm on a different gig and they're like. We want to put this person should be in the background of this movie or in the scene, but can't be here today. Like it doesn't completely derail the production. And arguably if you're on something else, you can get paid a day rate, two days rate in one day to do both. Um, Yeah. Effectively making you in two places at once, which is crazy. It is crazy. And it's great. Um, And then I guess I'll just run through the employment-based digital replica um, and independently created digital replicas. These are a little bit shorter. Definition, created during a performer's employment with their physical participation and used to portray the performer in scenes they didn't actually shoot. This is what I was just talking about. Exactly. Makes sense. Consent, mandatory consent from performers for creating and using their digital replicas. Consent not obtained before death must be obtained from an authorized representative of the or the union. Makes sense. Clear contracts with a reasonably specific description of use. Of course. Additional consent requirements for use in additional projects. Yes. And then compensation. Performers are generally entitled. This is makes me weird, n- a little bit nervous. When they say things like generally, performers are mm. generally entitled to compensation for the creation and use of their replicas and for use in additional projects or mediums, residuals paid for use that would normally generate residuals. It seems a little broad, but I think yeah. there's some fine print that we're missing, I hope, because that's like, generally, they should be paid. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, I think every time they should be paid, you know, but yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, And then for independently created digital replicas, the definition of that is digital replicas created often using existing materials and used to portray the performer in scenes they didn't actually shoot, which is something you said. Consent uh, producers are obligated to obtain consent prior to to use from the performer. Consent not obtained before death, again, must be obtained from the representative or the union, and then clear contracts with reasonably specific use. And then um, the compensation is compensation and residuals freely bargained. So that's, I guess, just the way the yeah. industry works. Well, so, I mean, the, the kind of thing that we're talking about here in employment-based digital replicas versus yeah. independently created digital replicas is like yes. employment-based is the kind of thing I was talking about. Like, I'm the basis in this movie. Right. You know, like, I have been cast in this minor role, you know, and whatever. Right. Um, you can do my scan. We're going to do my scan while I'm working on this movie as the basis. The right. independently created digital replicas would be like if they decided that they they shot the whole thing, they decided they needed a bassist, you know, and they were like, well, let's get X small actor. Right. Um, you know, in here who can't do it. But they're like, you know what? We can generate something off of other content that has been created around him, you know, that we didn't create for this movie. We can fake it. Yeah. But we can like create him based of off his other work and just put him in the background, you know? Right. Right. That's like two different kind of things. Totally. One where it's like, you know, um, but the, the real takeaway is like, yeah, like you, you, you can't just put somebody in something like it all requires consent. Yes. You know? Um, Yes. And the compensation stuff with the independently created digital replica stuff is like, yeah, you're not technically on this movie. Right. We're just sticking you in the background. This is, you know, 
uh, Marlon Brando as yeah. a cameo in Jor-El as Jor-El as and Jor-El, Flash yeah. too, you yeah. know? Um, so yeah, I mean difference, but yeah, like the main thing is like definition that like you can't just copy what you have. You can't just have AI make actors. Right. Like period. You can't like, yeah. you, no, you have to pay us for our likeness, which right. is what we, you know, the big bargain point. Exactly. And you can't just digitally scan people and then use them willy nilly no matter what. It's, it's forever and ever and over and over. Yeah. Right. No, it's, it. this is like, this is the reason why this took so long folks, because yeah. this was going to save studios a ton of money, save quote unquote, by not paying people for what they should be paying. And so the studios of course didn't want to do that because they're greedy and they only care about the bottom dollar. And then everyone else in the, in the union is like, this is my livelihood. I literally yeah. do this to live. So um, <laughs> I think it would be nice. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's what we have so far from the union um, of that contract. Yeah. No doubt we'll learn more, especially after it's been fully ratified. We'll probably get the full contract out like we did for WGA. And then we'll talk a little bit more about it. But yeah. as it stands, like we're in a good place. Pretty now much. comes <laughs> the big scramble to get everything off the ground again. Oh, my God. Um, good which luck. Which is going to be really, really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see what happens in terms of release dates and what happens in terms of TV uh, and what happens in terms of just like, are we as an audience going to feel a blank spot? Yeah. Cause I don't know about you, but I definitely feel like there's not much, a lot of TV to like watch right now. No, not at all. You know, Um, I keep being like, Oh, like what, what should I, watch and i'm like there's not a lot new coming out and i think we're going to be in that kind of dry spot and i think it's going to dry up a little more before we get things rolling again definitely Um, definitely i really hope i would love it and this is pure fantasy but like i would love it if you know the studios went to a few choice directors and were like throw something you got 90 days throw something together Ooh. Because show me what Doug Lyman does in that time period. I love you know what I mean. Show Doug. me what Anton Fuqua does in that time period. Show me what like you know Steven Soderbergh does in that period where it's like, here's a challenge for you. Throw something together for us. We're gonna like we'll get you a writing team. Yeah, we'll get you a handful of actors. And here's like, your budget. Yeah, we need content for February. Go. Yeah, anything. Because I would be fascinated to see what comes out of that because right, i'm get, sure there's there's that conversation happening it's like we just need to get 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 something but yeah there's an opportunity here to like make a high profile thing that's like like i mean i went to D- doug lyman because of um locked down that yeah. film that he filmed during covid right. that was just like an absurd undertaking but he's like i could do that well and soderbergh who is making movies all through covid like yeah tons of tiny and soderbergh little, who makes yeah. four movies a yeah, year who yeah. does it every year yeah um Oh, dude, I love that. And it's also like these people are itching to work, too. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, God. It's like, give Antoine Fuqua $40 million to do something? Cool. Yeah. And and like all of, you know, not for nothing, but all of the non-actor, non-writer, like all the IATSE members basically have just been sitting because nothing's been being made. And they're dying for work, too. And I'm like, let's crank some stuff out. Yeah. And like, let's see what we can and like let's not garbage crank you know no, what i mean no, no. let's give it to some people like, who 
can do it. Pose it as a challenge yeah. and see who steps up to the plate. Cause I'd be fascinated to see, but yeah. give everyone the, uh, the Taylor Sheridan treatment of just here's money yeah. in two months. Do, do something yeah. with it. It's like, okay. <laughs> oh man, dude, that would be fantastic. Will they do that? Probably not, but I ho- I wish that they did. Cause goddamn. But, uh, but yeah, that's what we got this week. A little there it is. hopeful, a little bit like just, just, we're just, you know, checking in, checking in with the industry today. Yes. Um, but we're in a good place. We're in a better place than we were last week and the week before that. So, and we'll get things lined up. I feel like, so there's been a lot of talk about Yahtzee. Yep. Um, their contract is up July 31st next year. Yep. Um, but that's a solid seven, eight months. Yeah. Seven months. Hashtag math podcast. Yeah. But like that's we can get things going. And I think there's groundwork here that I hope, knock on wood, that Yahtzee isn't as um I don't want to say problematic, but as confrontational. No, I um elaborate. Yeah. Complex. Complex. I yeah. hope that the Yahtzee uh negotiations aren't as complex totally i mean it's hard to replace your key grip with an ai version of your key grip so um there should be there should be more like set in stone things for them but yeah god six months seven months oh god oh yikes (laughs) it's crazy it is crazy we'll see what happens um so yeah that's the episode for today folks and uh should we do some recommendations here willis yeah yeah, I had a really hard time with this. I say what our, did. Uh, yeah. Um. So I just threw a couple at him as I normally do on the day of recording. Like, oh shit, we got four hours and we got to come up with a recommendation. So this week we came up with an underrated film by a filmmaker that you really like. Doesn't yeah. have to be your favorite filmmaker, but a lot of our you know our faves have like twenty five movies that they've made. Yeah. So it's like, oh, one of these has to be a little bit um. A little bit underrated so it became a really interesting thing for me to sort of realize i'm like i don't know how much i really qualify the films i like by their director because Mm. like i was like okay who are my favorite directors and i came up with like the really boring ones i was like spielberg scorsese Mm. really scott tarantino tarantino like (laughs) and but i'm like these are all like the most famous you know directors and i was like all of my and like none of my favorite movies Mm -hmm. most of my favorite movies are like not by those people right right you know what i mean and it's it's just it was really interesting to me that like i don't really categorize by films by uh by director by filmmaker in my head um interesting which is a good thing i think yeah i mean like i look at my my letterboxd um you know, top directors and of all time, I think, well, here, I guess I can bring it up immediately, but like mine are kind of hilarious. I think, I mean, my top of all time is Christopher Nolan with eight. Sure. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? Um, which is like of the 580 films I have, uh, you know, (laughs) listed in letterboxd only eight of them are by the same director and that's enough to get him to the top. Right. Um, right. 
and it's like it drops. It's like there's only two that are eight, and then it drops to six, and then after three, it drops to four. Mm. It's yeah. It's like it's spread out. Um, That's very interesting. Mine are so fucking generic the whole way down. That's terrible. Oh my god. That's so so bad. Lots of white guys. Yeah. The 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 overwhelming whiteness of all of it is a little um, <laughs> disheartening. But but. <laughs> I will say Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson is my top, uh, my top star. But uh, I only have six Michael Bay movies. Wow, I didn't know. I have Nolan and Soderbergh are my top two. Mine are Spielberg and Bay, and then Fincher and Scorsese. Um. Well, but anyway. anyway. (laughs) So my recommendation. So what? This was hard. Is what I'm saying. It's hard. Um, Yes. But uh, I had to think back through uh, a lot of my favorite films, um, mm-hmm. and I landed on a film by uh, Robert Zemeckis. Ooh! Um, because Back to the Future is one of my favorites of all time. Oh my god! Yeah. Uh, but it's a movie called Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, so good! So good! Um, absolute classic cinema. I pretty much had forgotten that Zemeckis directed this. Dude, same. When you said that, I was like, wait, what? Yeah, but this is, I mean, Toon Star Roger Rabbit, like, going on a detective hunt to figure out who framed him for murder, I think. I mean, just an um, unassailably amazing logline Just right absolutely. There. Yeah, I mean, it's the story of a man, a woman, and a rabbit in a triangle of trouble. Uh, Phenomenal. Bob Hoskins and Christopher Lloyd, just like... Mm-hmm absolutely top of their game like i don't know this movie this movie at one point was a little terrifying to me oh yeah um it's dark and it's like adult it's it's a departure from cartoons to be sure it feels like cartoons because roger rabbit is a tune right you know and then all of this shit's going on around him right um and they let kids watch it. It's amazing. Um, but <laughs> I love this movie. I haven't watched this movie far too long. But like, you know, I never think of Zemeckis. I never think of Who Framed Roger Rabbit when I think of Zemeckis. Um, Me but neither. It is absolutely worth it. Um, and I love this movie. So should be near the top. And people do not talk about it enough. But when someone brings it up, they're like, "Oh yeah, that movie's really good." It's like, "Yeah, it is. Hell yeah." Might it is hilarious. That. Also to me that like completely separate from this. Who Framed Roger Rabbit literally came up in this episode when I know. we were talking about I know. <laughs> uh, Coyote versus Acme. I know. I know. Through line. It's always there. It's all It's connected. always there. It's the um, Matrix. That's a great one. Where did you say you could find it? It was on- uh, It's on Disney Plus. Disney it's Plus. a Disney movie. Fantastic. I actually didn't find where mine was. Disney. You can also rent to buy it on uh, Amazon and Apple. But Gotcha. Gotcha. Perfect. That's a great one. Um, mine is a little more generic only because it's a filmmaker that I talk about a lot, although it's not a filmmaker that I recommend their films a lot. Um, it's a Wes Anderson movie. It's called oh. Rushmore, which nobody ever yeah. talks about. And I kind of get it because it's a little bit more acidic than his other films are. And it's honestly weird because the two movies that star Jason Schwartzman, uh, he's in this film, mm-hmm. um, like as the the main character, this in Asteroid City, I'm like, they're very similar in their, like, 
vibe, yeah. their tone. Like there's something that's a little bit, not meaner, but a little bit more serious about them. Mm-hmm. And I just remember watching Rushmore not that long ago, honestly, and being like, whoa, this is definitely a West movie, but it feels like not quite as innocent as something like Moonrise Kingdom yeah. or even like the French Dispatch. Like there's some movies where you're like, it's whimsy. Rushmore is not whimsical. Like it is yeah. like nailed to the floor um, in a way that like even the Tenenbaums or Life Aquatic is not. It's like one of one for Wes. It's like not a very yeah. normal well, kind I, of movie. Well, I feel like, I mean, and it's one of his early, I think it's his one right, right after, Bottle, after Rocket. Bottle Rocket, right? Yeah. yeah. Um. So, I mean, I like there's, an argument to be made for this fi- of him finding his voice, you know, as, totally. a, as a filmmaker. Um, yeah. Yeah. Rushmore is a really good movie. It's, it is hard to approach at times. Yeah. Um, Difficult subject matter. Weirdness. Yeah. <laughs> I remember watching this. I don't, I don't know when it would have been, but like watching it being like, okay, this is like a film film. Yeah. You know, I mean, like this yeah. is like this, this is and, you know, we're talking like late 90s. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is like something serious. This is like art. You know, this is this is art <laughs> more, you know, as opposed to like the things I was watching yeah. when I was in high school where I'm like, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Rushmore. It's good. Uh, unfortunately, you have to rent it, but it's only three bucks or four bucks, so it's it's totally worth it. Especially if you're someone who's like trying to be like a Wes Anderson completist, like watch Rushmore. Yeah. Like it falls in line. You, it's like you know every Wes movie is a Wes movie, but this one to me, it's just like there's something a little more personal to it, and like you get way more. Like I feel like as he's gone further in his career, you get less of a personal look at a single character. Like it's yeah. more of this wide kind of surface level stuff that you learn about these people. And in Rushmore, it's like, it's about Max. It's about Jason Schwartzman and his serious issues with the world. Yeah. And it's like, that was cool. It's like, it's about a school. It's about a kid, a weirdo. And it's what it is. So, um, yeah. So Rushmore is my recommendation for nice. this week. Rushmore and who framed Roger Rabbit. Interesting. Might actually play it pretty could well play. together. Yeah. It that's that's gonna go either really well or terrible or ter- or absolutely awful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there you have it, folks. That's the episode for this week. There we go. Some uh, some good stuff. Really good stuff, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. next week, uh, Thanksgiving. Yes. Um, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Um, we will be doing a uh. A megapixels for you all. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to reveal what we're doing or should we let them quiver in fear? No, let's reveal it because it, this episode will be releasing on Thanksgiving. Not this one, but the next one. So I'm like, let's yeah. let's give them a little prep here. Um, yeah. Um. So, I mean, ne- next week's megapixels is going to be our as it stands in November 2023 uh, Oscar predictions. Yeah. And yeah. what, you know, we won't be going through Every. In depth because I don't have wild opinions about like the hair and makeup Oscars yet for this season. You know, I haven't seen a lot of shorts. Um, guys, sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the international documentaries. I, I yeah. haven't been. I've been slacking <laughs> off. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna go through the big ones. You know, the best actors, back to, best actor, best actress, supporting, uh, best picture, probably cinematography because we screenplay. Do that, but yep, screenplay. Yeah. Um, because we kind of have had a back and forth on this a couple times and it's yeah. some of them it's really intense and some of them it's like yep yeah, it's gonna be that one yeah yeah 
Um, yeah. And who knows? We might be totally wrong, but right. <laughs> SAG-AFTRA has settled. So the Oscars are back on. They are. We'll be here. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be... Uh, <laughs> It's going to be something else. It is. And this will be fun too. Cause like it's again, like yeah. I said this probably off pod, but this year for movies is like shockingly good. Like it's yeah. really, really good. Um, you know, and shout it again for the people in the back. Like literally it's just crazy. The, the, I, I the have movies. seen <laughs> the past, the past couple of weeks. I've seen a lot of people, not a lot. I've seen a handful of people be like oh, really disappointed in how terrible this year was for movies. And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking saying? about? Like what? Like, like spoilers for two nid, but I just watched the killer. Like, you know, and like massive filmmakers have like top tier submissions to their, their filmography out this year. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know what those people are even, they're just not seeing, I I mean, maybe it's just, they're not seeing the right stuff, but yeah, it's been a absolute. I mean, if you look at it, if you look at it from a, top level pop culture level where it's like oh yeah. yeah here's you know blockbuster wise yeah yeah all of the all of the marvel superhero movies are bad and fast dc's bad, bad, bad and yeah. fast x was bad and yeah, yeah. that's true yeah. uh you're not wrong actually and the, all they see is like oh the arrows tour it's like no dude go see killers of the flower moon it's in the next yeah. theater just go it's really good yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. well yeah, so that's what's coming next week, guys. Just as a little prep there, but um, but yeah, God, I guess that'll do it. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Uh, end of pot. <laughs>